This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women in sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm a recovering sexaholic, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. Before we get started into our topic today, I want to give a quick shout out to our Worth Warriors, Camille and Lee. Thank you so much for your support. It is your support that will continue to keep this podcast free for all women and men, since I know there are many of you men out there listening as well, in recovery from sex addiction. I want to be sure that any woman, anywhere, in any circumstances, finds support and help when she looks for it. It is the Worth Warriors that will make this happen. I love putting this podcast together, but it is challenging. There is a lot of prep work, the recording, the editing, the hosting, the posting, the advertisement. In addition to the four or five hours it takes me for every episode, there are also expenses with hosting and maintaining access for everyone. Worth Warriors help this podcast stay free by contributing a small amount of money each month in exchange for additional perks and rewards. You can become a Worth Warrior for as little as $4 a month. For $4 a month, you become a member of the Worth Warriors, receive the Worth Warrior monthly newsletter, and get your name listed on the website as a Worth Warrior. For a few more dollars a month, you can also receive access to the exclusive Worth Warrior Facebook group or be on the monthly Worth Warrior all-access call where you can ask me anything that you want. Crazy, right? Your support keeps this podcast free for all of the women and men throughout the world looking for recovery from addiction. Men, hey, you can contribute as well. I know there are several men followers out there. Everything helps in making this possible. One more thing before we get started. I am so super excited to announce our very first Worth Recovery event. This event, entitled Engaged in the Struggle, will be our first event. And it's on July 16th, which is just coming up about six weeks away, in Renton, Washington. That's kind of the Seattle area. I can hardly wait. I'm so excited. My goal here is to have 50 women in the Seattle area come together for hope, healing, and most of all, connection. Like I said, the theme of our workshop is engaged in the struggle. There are so many aspects of recovery that require effort and engagement. Some of the topics I get asked about most are boundaries, trauma, and relationships. Each one of these topics is a huge struggle in our lives as recovering addicts and requires active engagement in the struggle if we want to change and be better. And so these are the topics we're going to focus on for our first event, trauma, relationships, and boundaries. I'm putting together the final details of the lineup, but today I'm going to tell you about one of our guest speakers. I am super excited to have Dr. Erin Glade as one of our speakers. Dr. Glade is a certified sex addiction therapist, a CSAT, and has a practice in Bellevue, Washington. So he was my very first therapist in recovery, the one I talk about a lot. Well, kind of a lot. Yeah, right. And really helped me lay the solid foundation for my own recovery. 
One of the things that really helped me in unraveling my own story is his specialization in trauma. He first introduced me to the concept of capital T and lowercase t trauma and the different roles different types of trauma play in our lives. He played a huge role in my recovery and has helped me grow in ways I never thought possible. I'm incredibly grateful for his willingness to be a part of this event. He will be speaking about trauma and the role it plays in addiction. So I'm excited to have you all meet him and learn from him because I learned so much from him. It will be really, really incredible. So are you going to be there? You can get on the website right now, worthrecovery.com, and read all about it and get registered. For only $119, you can join us for three hours of therapy. That's less than I pay for one hour of therapy. You'll get an hour each from three different CSAT therapists, and you get the opportunity to connect with and listen to other women who are struggling with sex addiction as well. Early bird registration gives you a $20 discount, so $99, and it's available between now and July 1st. And if you're a worth warrior, you can get another special discount, bringing the price down to $89 for this event. Remember, that includes three hours with three different CSAT therapist presentations, a catered lunch, and the ability to listen to and connect with women in your area. I am so excited. This is going to be simply amazing. I cannot wait to meet and connect with all of you. Get on the website now, worthrecovery.com, and get registered for this event. It is going to be fantastic. Okay, let's get started today. Today is episode 35 and is the continuation of our deep dive into the 12 steps of recovery. So far, we have spent time discussing steps 1, 2, and 3, And in our last episode, episode 33, we discussed the principle of surrender, the many steps one, two, and three that we do, and the essential place surrender has in our recovery. Today, we're going to begin step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. A searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. Wow, are you excited about that? Are you excited to take a searching and fearless moral inventory? Because I know I wasn't. (laughs) It's funny. When I first started recovery, like the first few months, I wanted to be really honest about everything. I wanted to tell people that I was changing. I wanted to explain my past to people, explain what had happened, explain why I did the things that I did. I didn't want to talk about my addiction necessarily to new people, but I wanted to talk about the trauma that I was learning about. I wanted to talk to people about the changes I was making, about stuff I was learning. And I wanted to apologize and tell people why I was so weird (laughs) and was doing the things that I was doing. Yet, I was cautioned early on about disclosure. I was cautioned about telling anyone that I was an addict. I was cautioned about telling anyone about the program, about things I had done, and even about apologizing or trying to make amends. Wait until you get to the fourth step, is what people told me. Wait until you get there. I was cautioned about being too honest too early. And for the most part, I listened. But one day, I just needed to tell someone. I just needed to tell someone what was going on with me. And so, I I did. I contacted a man I had actually had a dating relationship with. No acting out, really. Nothing even remotely sexual, really, to be honest. We dated for a few months and things ended. He was a recovering alcoholic and a cocaine addict. I really liked him in so many ways, but there were just some differences between our personalities that didn't quite work. He had been sober for many years and recovery was a big part of his life. 
I figured, who better to disclose to than another addict? He would be understanding, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, wrong. He wasn't. He said things like, there is no way you're an addict. You wouldn't even have sex with me. Then he said something about me making light of addiction and not taking this seriously and being disrespectful of him. And that was the last time we spoke. I don't blame him at all. I didn't really know what to say or how to handle things. I'm confident I didn't approach it with compassion or empathy. It was more about dumping, more about my own need to somehow be honest, more about wanting someone to be accepting of me and someone I could talk to about everything I was learning. This kind of dumping I learned wasn't really honesty. I don't know that I really learned about honesty, rigorous honesty, until I started step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. This is the make it or break it step for most people. I remember sitting in meetings, listening to a man share that he had been working on his fourth step for two years. Two years, I thought, wow, that seems way too long. A few meetings later, he said that he just didn't want to do it, that it was too hard. It is that. It is hard. It's very hard. Step four takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to be willing to face ourselves. The Sexaholics Anonymous White Book talks about it in this way on page 105. Quote, Something inside us always knew we'd have to face ourselves, but we kept running away, refusing to take that long, deep look in the mirror. And the longer we put it off, the more we resorted to our drug to cover the feelings and guilt, which produced an even uglier image we had to flee the more. Close quote. I relate to that. Something deep inside me knew that there was a problem with me. Some of it was part of my choosing and consequences of my decisions. Part of it had to do with things that happened to me that were out of my control. Part of it had to do with the story of my family that started long before I was even born. But nevertheless, whatever, but nevertheless, wherever it started and however it happened, it was time to face the music. It was time to take stock of who I was and what I had done. And that takes courage. That takes a lot of courage. Before I even started my fourth step, before I even knew what it was and exactly how it worked, I was already scared. I had heard people say things like, I dread the fourth. I relapsed multiple times while working on my fourth step. Or I can't even imagine apologizing to people. I knew it had to be a pretty big deal. I knew it was going to be difficult. And I knew it was going to require a lot from me. It was going to require honesty and courage. Those are the two things you're going to need to work on if you're going to be serious about your fourth step, honesty and courage. Let's start with honesty. One of the hardest paragraphs for me in the entire big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is the first paragraph of chapter five. It's on page 58, quote, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Close quote. I, I was afraid that was me. I was afraid I was a person who couldn't develop a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Lying had always been a part of my life. 
From the time I was very little, I was a liar. I was a peacemaker by lying. I would appease both sides, telling them lies, telling them never to tell the other person about what I said because that they didn't want them to know. I lied about where I was, how much money I had, or what I was doing. I lied when I thought my life was too boring. I lied about being late, blaming it on traffic rather than the real fact of poor planning. I lied to my friends in college about being engaged previously. I lied to acting out partners. I lied to my parents. I, I lied to everyone. I lied to everyone all the time. Each week, we would read this paragraph in my group meeting. Many do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. I wondered at first if I had that capacity. I wondered if I could really learn to be honest. I was trying for the first time in my life. I was really trying to be honest in recovery. I knew that honesty was the only thing that would really help me in therapy. And I knew of all the problems dishonesty had brought me in the past. At this point in my life, I had to be either all in or all out. I couldn't afford the half a veil thing that they talk about. I couldn't afford to half-ass this whole recovery thing. I had to learn to be honest no matter what. And what better way to get started than with step four? This was a great opportunity for me to set the record straight, to be honest about all the lies that I had told in the past, and to be honest about my old way of life, all of the damage that I had caused, all of the acting out that I had done, as well as all of my own fears and resentments. I needed to be honest. I love the way that the Sex Addicts Anonymous Green Book describes it on page 32. Quote, in taking the fourth step, we begin to know ourselves for who we really are. Building on the foundation of the first three steps, we take stock of the feelings and patterns that have shaped our lives. We come to realize that our addiction is more than just unmanageable sexual activities. It includes an entire system of underlying thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. If we neglect this inventory, we risk being stuck in our old habits and mistaken beliefs, and our unexamined defects of character will eventually lead us to relapse. By looking honestly at our moral nature, the feelings that kept us trapped in addiction, as well as our virtues and aspirations, we start to move away from being self-centered and towards being God-centered. Close quote. Lying is all about being self-centered. Lying is rooted in comparison. We're afraid that we ourselves are not enough, and so we lie about it. We lie to make ourselves look better. We lie to make the situation look worse. We lie about what we said so we seem smarter or more capable. We lie about how much money we have. We live beyond our means to impress others, another form of lying. We lie because we lack self-worth and do not value who we are or our contribution to the world. We lie. I realized through studying recovery and recovery literature that I had to stop lying. If I was ever going to be able to live in recovery, I had to develop and maintain a manner of living that demands rigorous honesty. Lying I knew was one of those things that kept me trapped in addiction like the book said. Though I was not good at it to begin with, I decided with step four that I was going to figure this whole honesty thing out. I was going to learn to live in rigorous honesty. Working step four was one of my first steps towards learning to live a rigorously honest life. When you get ready to work step four, you have to be prepared to be honest. You have to work at being honest. It's one of the prerequisites for working step four. 
The second thing needed to work step four is courage. The moral inventory you are about to embark on is not for the faint of heart. This is going to be difficult. This is going to be a really hard thing to do. For probably the first time in your life, you are going to be completely honest about your life. And that takes a lot of courage. Again, from the SAA Green Book, they say it really well on page 32, quote, The fourth step takes courage. Because we are gradually giving up our old rationalizations, dishonesty, and self-pity in order to discover the truth about who we are. In the process, most of us find ourselves peeling away many layers of denial. Our distorted view of ourselves led us to avoid responsibility for our actions. Our denial about our addictive behaviors prevents us from seeing our faults. At the same time, our belief that we were horrible people kept us from believing that we could ever change or be deserving of a better life. In taking the fourth step, we become willing to challenge these old ways of thinking and examine ourselves with a new clarity. I love that last line. We need courage to become willing to challenge these old ways of thinking and examine ourselves with a new clarity. This takes courage. This is the reason people say they dread the fourth step and talk about how hard it can be. When done with real intent, step four no longer allows us to sit in self-pity or rationalization. It doesn't allow us to be dishonest or live in denial anymore. Step four makes us look at ourselves, look at ourselves square in the mirror and say, this is who I am, this is what I've done, and this is where I was wrong. All of this takes courage. Courage is something I'm always a little bit lacking in. I'm not great at being brave. I'm not great at trying new things just for the sake of doing it. I need to know there is a payoff. I need to know that my courage will be met with change and success. If I'm convinced of the need to be courageous, if I'm convinced of the positive outcome, then I can be brave. I can be really brave but I need to see that payoff in the end first. Fortunately, there is no lack of reinsurance for working step four within recovery literature. Let me share a few of my favorites. From the white book, page 98, quote, there is one sure way to get more than mere physical sobriety, and that is by coming out of denial, seeing our wrongs, and writing them under God like step four requires. The result is a new life. And with us sexaholics, it is doubtful that we can even maintain sexual sobriety without this, although many of us try. The more we are willing to listen to the experience and success of others, the more faith we get in the process. We ask for willingness to try this path, even though we may feel sure it is not for us. Once we do try it, we're sold. Close quote. The more we are willing to listen to the experience and success of others, I love that line, the more faith we get in this process. I love that idea and have found it to be true. I looked around in my recovery circles and found people whose recovery I admired, who I wanted to be like, and who I felt were making real changes in their lives and who were living in a way I wanted to live. They had all worked step four. They had all moved their lives forward by taking a moral inventory. I looked at those who said things like, I dread the fourth. I won't do it. It's too hard. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't want to live their lives. 
Most were not staying sober, or if they were, they had merely just switched to another source for escape and acting out, and were not willing to admit that it might be a problem for them. Another quote from the White Book. This is on page 106. Quote, Without facing the truth about ourselves, there is no hope for lasting sobriety, serenity, and freedom. What a relief to finally face the great fear, ourselves. We always knew that's what we had to do, but we hung on to our misery too long, and after a certain point, found we were powerless to let go. If the admission of powerlessness brought us to our change of attitude and reconciled us to God, steps one, two, and three, the truth about ourselves became the raw material from which our new lives would be built. Only the self as it really is can be changed and live and grow. Wow, two great thoughts there. First, there is no hope for lasting sobriety, serenity, and freedom unless we face the truth about ourselves. Unless we actually face the great fear ourselves. I have found that to be true. This is where the idea in AA comes from that we are only as sick as our secrets. I have to learn to bring my insides out, to be completely honest, and to be brave and courageous about it if I am going to find hope for freedom. And second, only the self as it really is can be changed and live and grow. If I'm not honest with myself, how can I ever hope to change, live, or grow? The whole idea of that which is not accepted cannot be changed is very, very true about ourselves. If we are not willing to be brave and be honest, we cannot change. We will not change. And finally, the SAA Green Book says it the very best for me on page 32. Quote, a searching and fearless moral inventory is one of the means by which we open ourselves to the care and healing of our higher power. It is one of the first and most profound ways we put our third step decision into action. As we work step four, we practice honesty, courage, and faith, keeping in mind that others have walked this path before us and have found their recovery strengthened through this work. Close quote. Let me repeat that last line. As we work step four, we practice honesty, courage, and faith, keeping in mind that others have walked this path before us and have found their recovery strengthened through this work. This is the step for me that really started to change my recovery, to strengthen my recovery, to move my recovery forward in really meaningful ways. Until I have the courage to be completely honest in the right way with the right people, like working a fourth step, I will stay trapped in addiction. I know that's true. I've seen that in my own life and in the lives of the addicts that I work with. Until I have the courage to be completely honest, I will stay trapped in my addiction. So how do we develop courage and honesty? How do we start our fearless and searching moral inventory? Those are the topics that we're going to discuss in the next three episodes that we have about step four. I'm excited to kind of explore this whole idea of a, search, of a searching and fearless moral inventory with you, discuss some of the ways that I've seen it done, what I've seen be helpful, and then also the rewards of a searching and fearless moral inventory, because I think that was some of the things that I really wasn't expecting when I worked this step. As we close today, I want to share with you a brave moment and another engaged in the struggle moment. This, this idea of being engaged in the struggle has really affected my life. So I just wanted to share another moment with you. I completed an amends this week. 
This amends has been written for nearly two years, actually over two years. And I have been kind of dragging my feet on it. I was scared. I was scared about what this person would think, how they would respond. But really, I was scared because I was embarrassed. The situation was something I had lied about. I had exaggerated and had told other people lies about this person and about me. When I was called out on it by this person, I shut down and ran the other direction. And we haven't spoken in years because of it. But this week, I reached out and I completed the amends. I haven't heard back. I have no idea if there will even be a response. Part of me really hopes there will be, but part of me would be totally fine if there wasn't. But whatever happens, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to make amends. I'm grateful for the chance to clean up the wreckage of my past and to behave differently. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be engaged in the struggle because that's where we feel alive. That's where we actually start to live our lives is being engaged in those struggles and being willing to do it. So today I'm grateful for that. I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little anxious about it, but I'm grateful for the opportunity and grateful for the opportunity to be different. Okay, I challenge you this week to really think about being honest and being brave, being courageous. And think about the honesty and the courage that you need in order to move forward in recovery. Those two characteristics, honesty and courage, will move you forward faster than anything else I know. Stay engaged in the struggle. I know you can do it. Be brave and honest this week. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. Also, we have our big event in Seattle, Washington coming up in July. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. As always, ladies, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, no matter how many lies you've told, and no matter how courageous or not courageous, what's the opposite of courageous? Scared, there we go. No matter how courageous or how scared you feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. And if you don't, trust me until you do. Keep up the fight. I think about you. I pray for you. I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.